It was like I've been joined by the Chief Executive of the Blues and Andrew Hall. Uh, appreciate your time, Andrew, and uh, congratulations on re-securing uh, this signature. There was a lot of people uh, who, we, when we heard the scuttlebutt that uh, Bowden Barrack or back, people go, oh, well, you couldn't lead the Blues. It didn't didn't work out. Could have tried somewhere different. Uh, but clearly that was never a conversation uh, that Bowden was interested in having. No, it didn't seem to be. Um, you never know in a negotiation, however. But um, no, we're... We're delighted to have him back. So, um, and and looking forward to it. So, obviously, look, Bowden Barrett returning New Zealand rugby starts as a New Zealand rugby conversation. At what stage do you, does does the Blues become part of the negotiations? Um, is it once he's uh, across the line for New Zealand, and then it's, it goes from there? Or were you, Andrew, in from the uh, the outset of these chats? Um, generally, in, in all cases, most cases, um, the franchise and and the union. Will We'll start discussions on this one. I think that there'd been a little bit of discussion initially with NZR just because of the timing of the season and where he was at the time, which was in national camp. Um, but there, then, then um, ultimately, um, the the franchises get to have their say. Uh, obviously, um, too, we have to um, put an offer in. And um, I think one thing that's been positive out of all of this is that people actually see that Super Rugby can make significant contributions uh, and has been called more and more uh, to do that, and uh, which is all the more important that we make it far more fan-centric to be able to generate the income to ensure that we can look after these players, not only in their wallet, but in the environments that they're used to when they're going overseas. Was there any moment uh, where you thought, well, listen, maybe maybe we should move on? Maybe uh, yeah, we've, we've made plans for life without Bowden being this season, of course, um, and uh, look, we, we're just going to push forward with that? Was there, was there never even a, a thought of that? Straight away when Bowden Barrett um, was available, the Blues were interested. Uh, no, you always want to sit down with, I, said, I think I said in the release too, you want to sit down with the player and have a yak about how they've founded it. Um, you don't want a player here that's just ticking a box. And when you're dealing with uh, any ageing sort of athlete, um, they've got to have the fire still in their belly. So we had some really good discussions about um, the future. Like We've only gone from third from bottom to r- roughly third from top. We've got some work to do to really finish that job off. And we need everyone on board uh, with that. So um, we, we felt that we owed him the opportunity or uh, to, to discuss what we thought the future looked like and then give him some time to consider how committed he was to, to being part of that journey because it's going to have to be a, a mighty effort to get to where we want to go. Because we, as a national public, obviously, we start off talking about the national uh, interest and, and a four-year deal clearly shows he has ambitions that and, is, and a drive towards uh, another World Cup for the All Blacks. But for the Blues, what were those ambitions? What were the, without going obviously into the very specifics, but what was his drive for wanting to reunite with the Blues? I think the the key thing was it was around the changes in the competition. Uh, I think that commitment. Um, you know, we're hopeful we'll see some changes in around such things as player rotation, etc., um, those kind of things. And um, so, so putting that all into the uh, into the pot. And having a look, I understand people want them there for the All Blacks, but but ultimately, if you don't have really competitive teams underneath, um, then it can make it really difficult sometimes for those national teams to perform. So we want a competition, uh, and we want a team that is pushing for finals, uh, if not winning them every year. Um, and that means that um, it's going to take hours and hours of time and commitment uh, to do that over and above 
Um, and uh, we, we are convinced that uh, Bodie's prepared to do that and wants to be a part of it. Did he say uh, where he wants to see his future, what, what number he wants to wear when he comes back to play for the Blues? No, no, that wasn't... Uh, I mean, we, we know that, the, that players often have preferences, but he's got to um, fight for that position, and it's our, our, I think Chris just alluded to it. Um, we think, you know, we've got Steve Perifeta there, uh, we've got the likes of the Zan Sullivan's at full, full-back potentially as well. Um, and so it's our role to actually, uh, for those players, to push one another to get the best out of them. I don't want to go back to when I worked in Wales where you had players just walking in from the national team that said as a holiday. That doesn't create high performance at all. And, and our, again, our national team will suffer if we ever get to that situation that they're deciding which position they're going to play. Um, they've got to fight for that position they're going to work bloody hard for it. Um, and we want to be in a position where if they don't rise to the challenge, then uh, hopefully, and with the amount of retention we've done with our young players, that we're putting pressure on, on those players. Very fair point. Speaking to uh, Andrew Hall, the Chief Executive of the Blues. Uh, now, as you mentioned, competition is what it is. When you sign a contract to play for uh, an organisation, you're not uh, signing a contract uh, or making a decision who, who else gets to play. But was a conversation had with uh, Stephen Pirafetta to let him know this was uh, this was on going to be on the case? Because obviously for a man who wants to have that number 10 long-term and put the uh, team on his back, it is certainly something that will play into his future some way, one way or the other. Yeah, I think so. I think, look, no matter where Bowden was going to go, um, then there's going to be that question to ask. But I think Stevie's seen enough over the last couple of years that he's got a real opportunity here. Um, we've never, uh, when he's been playing well at 10, he's got the nod. I think you've seen Bowden playing a lot at 15 here as well. Um, so he's got that real opportunity this year. We don't see that as an issue. We see that as at the end of the day, if we have that strength and depth, then we can rotate that squad far more proficiently and we can do some pretty... and we can actually get them to start pushing one another. Um, no one, you know, sort of looks at um, the Crusaders, for example, and says to them, um, you know, that there's too much depth in one position. They manage that and they get the best out of those players week in, week out. And, and it's only... You know, we use up to 55 players in a season... The attrition is huge nowadays. So um, all that gives us is the opportunity to, if you had 55 quality every year, then you'd be in a far stronger position. So that's where um, we've got to go and um, make sure that every week when we put out someone in a Blues jersey, that they front um, for this region. You've done a lot uh, as an organisation, uh, Andrew, about uh, as someone who grew up a Blues fan, uh, about making sure there's that level of expectation uh, and standard uh, to step up to. A, a lot's been spoken about that. You've also said a lot, uh, and you mentioned already in this interview as well, it sparked a lot of conversation here on the run home uh, when you uh, brought it up a week or so ago. The fan-centric uh, side of things. Now, uh, you get, you're applauded by, uh, by Super Rugby fans of uh, all the teams. Uh, when you say such things. What's been your feedback and any kind of reaction you've had uh, after making those kind of points public again? Are, we, are you getting uh, the fans or uh, concepts being brought to you and anything that's uh, that's lighting you up a bit? Yeah, particularly around rules. I think um, there seems to be a lot of discussion in, in and around that. Um, I think the uh, player rotation, I think uh, there's a real desire for people to see genuine contests every week. 
but it, there's more subtle things than that too. I think, um, uh, you know, if we can start to, uh, in regards to getting every club's development right across the board, I'm talking all 12 here. I think if you look at the drawer, for example, what they've achieved has been phenomenal. Mm. And that's come from a top-to-bottom approach where they're keeping hold of their best talent. Yes, they've got some talent in their national team still being, you know, there's the, the, the there's time um, where those um, players are still in to pick players from, from Europe. But if, when you get it right, you can be an extremely powerful organisation. And um, I think now that we've got a super rugby um, board, we can start looking at how do we get the 12 to be competitive. And that doesn't necessarily mean uh, always drafts, but it does mean standards in regards to development, standards in regards to how we market, standards in, in the way that we communicate about our competition. Um, because you can't be always secondary to that national comp. You've actually got to develop something that actually tells our story and gets people excited about our competition, um, but at the same time uh, try to level things out, and that, I think, comes down to uh, coach development, um, that player development across the board, and how we start working together in 12 to get a, to get a standard that makes it truly competitive. Does it bring the fan centric side of things? Does is how much of that is the the match day experience as well? Because it's uh, getting New Zealanders to sport has proven difficult on a, on occasion. We know that uh, certainly this year the the Warriors found lightning in a bottle for regular sellouts and uh, of twenty five thousand uh, where they are. And uh, look, there's, there's other stadiums where twenty five thousand doesn't make the same impact as as a sellout. What 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 are your thoughts on what can be done to actually make the game day experience? Uh, one that wants to get people back through the turnstiles in Super Rugby. Yeah, um, look, that, there's a, I don't know how long you've got, but, but fundamentally <laughs> we know we've got a big stadium to fill. So, if you, for example, if we have, say, our smallest number, which is a 12,000 and a 45,000 city compared to Mount Smart, where it's you know 28,000, it, it looks chalk and cheese. So we know we've got to do it bigger and brighter. I think part of the issue is, uh, if you look at the NFL, for example, in America, of their broadcast revenue, they set aside around 20% of that to put into marketing and events. Uh, if you look at the NRL, they spent 500000 um, and it might have even been more last year, on, on, the, on the show itself. So I think whatever we do, we've got to make sure that there is parity in around that. Um, you can't, that can't all be relied just on the clubs to do because... You know, we spend a there's a consistent percentage that we spend on our on our marketing, and if you took if you made that percentage any higher, you'd compromise the other aspects of your business that may not make you as competitive. So that's a really fine balance. So we rely a lot on the competition as well and around that marketing. Um, that said, uh, we believe there's still um, a lot of work that we can do in regard to the consistency of match day delivery. Also, some of the um, rituals that we have on match days as well. We um, started to see a little bit more of that now, um, but ultimately, uh, it's having a greater focus on that match day, creating those rituals, um, making sure that we have um, uh, that we put on entertainment that matches the size of the stadium. In our case, that we have, um, and being able to put a focus on that. And I don't think I think we've been so reliant on just putting on a high performance product that sometimes we're uh, let that other side go. That said, if you do have an exciting competition, which week in, week out um, could go either way, 
don't underestimate that. I think part of our biggest problem is there are too many mismatches. Um, but again, with the advent of teams such as the Drawer, if we can keep our five teams, then you're up to six. If we can get a couple of those Aussie teams stronger, um, then you're up to sort of eight. Then you're starting to get uh, week-in, week-out quality football that's really close, hopefully with some law changes. And then on top of it, you've got better comms and marketing. And on top of it, you've got a better product at the game. Um, then all of those parts generally will go to make a far more successful competition. And Andrew, I suppose having access to players like Bowden Barrett uh, is a key, isn't it? Because uh, whether it's perception or reality, it often feels, and you hear a lot of commentators and fans bemoan that players are being uh, rested for games by uh, decisions coming from above them. Yes, uh, player welfare is certainly very important, but perception-wise, uh, it's crucial that you know we've mentioned that the uh, the Blues have played a key role in the signing of uh, Bowden Barrett here. The main didn't just all come from NZR coffers. Uh, that there needs to be something that feels a little bit more reciprocal in that re- in regard. And New Zealand uh, rugby don't just necessarily uh, pull up sticks on, on players being able to play when the club needs them. Yeah, we've got to be careful we don't get into NZR bashing here. But No, no, absolutely the, not. It's not bashing. I'm just talking about perception of your competition. No, no, I agree. I agree. And, and I think this is where the beauty um, of that, I think everybody's recognising that. I don't think that what we had here last year when we played the force, we had effectively eight All Blacks out and the Warriors playing down the road that night, um, does anybody any good. It gets people out of the rhythm, out of the you know the momentum of watching the competition. So your points are really valid. And I think there's a real awakening to the importance of that and having access. The, the beauty of this competition has always been that we've had the most exciting players in the world playing in it. And it's vitally important that that remains. That ability, you know, we're here to ignite the flame for for future generations, and they want to come down and see the Rico Ioannis. They want to see the the Bowden Barretts and so on, and they want to see the stars of tomorrow as well. So um, if they're not regularly playing and that little person or that old person turns up and they're not getting what they feel they're paid for on that ticket, then we're going to lose them as a fan. Uh, absolutely, uh, hearing what you're picking down, putting, picking up, we're putting down here yeah. uh, very much, uh, Andrew Hall. Just one last question before I go. You mentioned about the stadiums and and making it work. We've we've heard the the scuttlebutt about Wellington uh, potentially playing at a Jerry Collins Stadium instead of uh, the Big Sky sta- Stadium. Is is there? Do you think is that something to watch for Super Rugby teams and some games that say you talk about the Force, a game that wouldn't necessarily traditionally bore, draw a big crowd. Do you think there's scope or it's an idea to play in smaller boat, more boutique? Uh, uh, grounds that don't char- cost as much to do as far as uh, needing to pay for the rental of the venue as well as creating a, an environment that's got that fan-centric feel to it is something to be viewed on a horses-for-courses basis? Yeah, I think so. I Look, I think in the first instance, if we can get the other things right, then, um, you know, you, you will get the crowds. Um, we we want to focus on that first. That said... If we had a secondary stadium here, let's say it was 22,000, and it could give us all the bells and whistles that would make for a great fan experience, the Wi-Fi, the, um, the ease and convenience of maybe food delivery in your seat, et cetera, et cetera, then you'd be a fool not to look at it. The simple fact is we don't have that. And, yep, we could go to Mount Smart and it would look better when we had 15 than what it does at Eden Park, but it doesn't solve the problem. And the problems are still there that we've got to correct as a competition. Uh, and also for what we deliver to our fans. So we've got to stay focused on that at the moment. And 
for a lot of our people, um, still coming to Eden Park, it's it's the big dance. And um, so as a venue, it can still work. We know it can still work. We've just got to fix the things that we can control first and give that a go. Absolutely, an enlightening chat. Really appreciate your time and love how passionate you are, not just about the Blues, but the whole competition and the product. Trust me, fans do hear and do notice. Appreciate your time, uh, as always, uh, Andrew Hall, the Chief Executive of Blues, and congratulations on locking in Bowden Barrett through to 2027. Uh, wonderful to get those thoughts. What do you think? Let me know uh, how you think that went. That was our uh, Macca's feature interview uh, brought to you by Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. What do you think about the things we just heard? At Andrew Hoare, the Chief Executive of the Blues, text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine of 8833 or 0800 150 811. Temper and Bedpost's range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Yeah.